With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Tommy's the toughest dude I've ever been around. Like, I mean, the dude can have any type of injury. He's going to come back. I mean, like a lot of quarterbacks, what happened to him last week, he wouldn't have played a snap this week. Um, but, I mean, he's that dude's definitely a warrior. I mean, people can say what they want to say about him, but I wouldn't rather go to war with any dude, any, any quarterback in college football. He's had a, a pretty incredible career, and um, he's such a competitor. I say it every single time I get asked about him. He's one of the the most competitive person I know, and he just battles, battles, and battles, and it, it's great to see that out of, your, out of your quarterback, out of one of your leaders. Oh, I haven't. Uh, now it's a little bit different um, than than a concussion protocol, but uh, we're taking a day at a time. Like I said, uh, I'm doing as much as I can in the rehab room to you know, get better, get it uh, stronger, and things like that. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, and Nate Klaus as we get you ready for Saturday's game against Maryland. It's an 11 a.m. game on ESPN News. So they'll take a break from the all-day sports center, apparently, and they'll put on a, a Nebraska game on ESPN News. I think a lot of it, though, honestly, Robin, had to do with the scheduling conflict of the basketball game. Nebraska basketball will play 7 o'clock here on Saturday night as well. And that was a to-be-announced game. And it probably could have been a 2.30 football game on BTN. Um, You look at who BTN took at 2.30. But Nebraska really had no choice but to request or push for an 11 a.m. Yeah, I I know for a fact that Nebraska's athletic administration um, desperately wanted that game to be 11 a.m. Just from a logistical standpoint. Uh, to, to have that you know, kind of little buffer uh, in between the end of the football game to get parking cleared out there. and then uh, Well, they sell football parking in those garages, mm-hmm. and basketball season ticket holders use the red, blue, and green mm-hmm. garages. So uh, there'd be a logistical nightmare right. it would with be, those garages. It would be a disaster. So, I mean, this is about as good of a scenario as you can get. I mean, I don't know how exactly they ended up scheduling <laughs> you know, a non-conference game on the game day Saturday, but uh, that's the situation they were in, and I guess all things considered, you know, just from a logistical standpoint is about as good as it gets all right well let's get right to it you heard uh kyron williams jordan westerkamp and tommy armstrong there out of the gates and once again for the second week in a row questions around the health of tommy armstrong last week it was the head injury he suffered at ohio state this week he had an ankle injury uh, but the main one is this hamstring injury that has limited him throughout the week Uh, he's never suffered a hamstring injury in his career at nebraska um, so, you know, I think it's going to be one of those things where Saturday it's just going to depend how it feels. And uh, it's a tough situation because Riker Fife again, is getting ready this week. But, um, you know, t- you never can count out Tommy Armstrong um, a- as you kind of look at the situation, Nate. No, you, you can't. You can never count him out. As the guy said, you know, he's he's the ultimate competitor. He's he's really, really tough guy. Um, and and the, the weird thing about it is, you know, with the concussion, 
you, there was a protocol, you know. So if if he passed the test and was ready to go by this this time, this date, then he could play. But with the hamstring, I, I just think it's so tricky because uh, there is no set time on, on it, and, and each hamstring is different. Um, you know, it, it all depends on how how severely it's pulled and everything, and and we don't quite know exactly how bad it it really is, uh, or or how slight it's put, been pulled. But um, you know, it's more than likely going to be a game time decision for him, and and uh, you know we'll. We'll we'll all be waiting to see exactly what happens on Saturday. That's for sure. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and A. Klaus as we get you geared up for Saturday's 11 a.m. game on ESPN News against a Maryland team that is struggling. You, you look at this Terrapin team. They've lost three games in a row, 59-3 against Michigan, 62-3 against Ohio State. Um, so the Huskers are getting the Terrapins at the right time. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a Big Ten team lose them back-to-back weeks, you know, with scores like that. But they are playing college football playoff caliber teams. Uh, but nonetheless, the Huskers, Robin, are getting the Terrapins at their kind of lowest moment of the season. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you just, you just look at the numbers. You mentioned a few of them. But uh, they haven't scored a touchdown in their last two games. And in their uh, losses, their five losses this season, they're averaging just 13.2 points per game. Uh, so obviously there's a lot of issues going on on both sides of the ball um, with DJ Durkin and, and his first season in Maryland. But, um, you know, the, the quarterback situation, you know, I talk about Nebraska's deal with Tommy Armstrong. Uh, Perry Hills is dealing with a shoulder injury, and they have two other guys that have played this year. And each one of those guys is a completely different style of quarterback. And so you really don't know what you're going to get um, regard, depending on who's under center. And so that's why Mark Banker earlier this week said, they're expecting a whole lot of just crazy gadgets. You know, they call it the Daffy Duck formation, where you have offensive line and receivers spread out all across the uh, line of scrimmage, and then they'll either run a play out of that or they're all shift back into a normal set. So uh, they're using every trick in the book. They're expecting double passes, reverses, and uh, really any type of gadget you can think of uh, just because, you know, they're just having such a hard time getting anything going. And Maryland will be without one of their top, if not their top running back, Lorenzo Harrison. He was only 57 yards off of the true freshman record averaged over seven yards a carry so nonetheless this is a pretty wounded team coming in the Lincoln eight yeah no doubt about it and and I think uh wounded is is a, a good word didn't wasn't it Nate Gary that said that that this Maryland team is like a wounded dog yeah. you know you, you don't know exactly what you're gonna get um you know it's it's kind of cornered been beat up the last few weeks uh they're down some key players so um yeah I think that I think I'll be surprised if they don't just come into Lincoln with with really nothing to lose and, and throw whatever they can at, at Nebraska to see what works. That's why if Nebraska can just put together a physical drive, just one of those fist pump, mm-hmm. old man happy drives, <laughs> it just gets all <laughs> – yeah. it's going to be cold in the stadium oh, yeah. and people are going to be kind of grumpy for an 11 a.m. Just get a big physical feel-good drive out of the gates – and you could almost knock these guys out early. Oh, yeah. I mean, with a team like limping as much as these guys, if you come out and punch them in the face on the opening drive and then get a three and out on defense, it's, it's almost game over at that point. Yeah, mentally, that would be yeah. that would be totally defeating, um, you know, and kind of take away any type of confidence uh, that Maryland would have. So, um, but, uh, yeah, if, yeah, if they could string together – uh, 13, 14 play drive and and just be f- super physical up front. Yeah, that would that would definitely be I think uh, a mix for for a, a quick victory. Well, as we wrap our opening thoughts up here on the Husker Online Show, it's also Senior Day on Saturday, and 
Um, I think about 30 seniors will be on or there are 20 scholarship seniors. And, you know, it's easy to look at this class and define it as Tommy Armstrong and Jordan Westerkamp and Josh Banderas and Nathan Gary. Those are four really good seniors. Even Kevin Maurice, I think you'd arguably put in that group the way he's playing this year. But uh, I look at this class, too, as the walk-ons. I mean, uh, there are of the scholarship 20, uh, eight of the 20 are on scholarship or were former walk-ons. And um, that 2012 walk-on class, it produced 10 scholarship players, Sam Fultz not being with us anymore. And um, surprisingly, Andy Janovich, you know, he played as a true freshman, so he never redshirted. So, you know, this this is kind of the wrap, guys, of what to me, and, and Nate, I'll let you go first on this, uh, what was maybe one of the best walk-on classes we've seen in this modern kind of FCS offering era. Yeah, this was really, I, I think, the the last time or the last class in state-wise where uh, you didn't have a, the South Dakota states and the South Dakotas and North Dakota State and, and Wyoming, you know, coming in and, and taking those fringe guys. Because, I mean, let's be honest, all the, all the players, all the walk-ons that earn scholarships, um, you know, very well could have or should have had offers to play at FCS level. And uh, they probably could have gone elsewhere. But, uh, you know, they, they came to Lincoln, um, and a lot of them, you know, are kind of living out that dream, that, that walk-on dream. They, they came to Nebraska to, to pursue that scholarship, and, and they got it. And, uh, you know, and kudos to them because this group as a whole has been through an awful lot uh, over the past few years, and especially those walk-on guys and, and the, you know, the guys that, that kind of came in with Sam and, and everyone um, as walk-ons. I mean, they've uh, – I can't even imagine everything those guys have been through. And you think about that Shrine Bowl we covered in 2012. 15 of those guys in that game ended up at Nebraska. Two of them transferred, uh, Logan Rath and Sam Hahn, uh, to make it 15. But there were 13 initial guys in that game. There were four guys in that Shrine Bowl in 2012 that will probably be in the NFL or NFL type level players, and not one was offered by Nebraska <laughs> out of high school. When you think about that, Andy Janovich, Brandon Riley, Sam Foltz, and then obviously Drew Ott at Iowa. Um, so no doubt um, that will go down as one of the best. Uh, modern 85 scholarship era walk-on classes in school history. When we come back, we'll discuss more about Riker Fife and, and can Nebraska win this game with Riker Fife under center? That's all next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, it's a little bit like last week where we have to Plan with Riker playing, um, kind of, you know, have some some plays for both and uh, see where we're at. But I think, you know, the nice thing is that Riker's had a lot of good work from last week and this week, so it's comforting that way. But uh, we'll kind of have to play it by ear. My last home game, my first start, if it happens, so we'll see. But if not, I mean, time will have to go. But either way, last game, big game. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washington and Nate Klaus. And uh, before we get to it, this segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Weber Grill. If you're looking for a great Christmas present to buy that tailgater in your life, check out Weber Grill's website here at store.weber.com. Uh, they've got a unique Husker tailgating grill. Uh, we did a special earlier in the year, but... Um, it would be a great gift for dad or, or, or that person in your life uh, that loves to tailgate and, and wants that unique Weber grill quality Husker uh, specialized grill. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's a high, high level grill. I, I, I personally own two Webers. You cannot go wrong uh, getting one of these grills. But 
Um, let, let's get to it, guys. Riker Fife. I think the question I've been asked the most this week is, can Nebraska win this game without Tommy Armstrong? Yeah, I think they can. Uh, I mean, we talked in the opener just about how much Maryland is struggling in its own right. But, uh, you know, this is really one of the few opportunities Riker's gone into the week with the odds kind of pointing towards him being the starter. I mean, obviously it hasn't been confirmed, um, you know, and he's kind of always waiting to see what happens with Tommy. But uh, this is kind of a, a, a unique situation where it looks like he's going to be the guy. And so this is kind of a, an opportunity to get some confidence up um, and, you know, maybe have a little bit uh, different mindset than he's had in previous opportunities opportunities when he's been thrown in the fire a little bit so uh, but really it doesn't come down to Riker you know it comes down to the rest of the team taking care of business the defense should be able to stuff Maryland and really keep their scoring low the offensive line should be able to dominate up front the running back should be able to get good chunks of yards in the running game and so this game doesn't come down to Riker Fife having to win this game on his own it comes down to the rest of the team stepping up their game and helping them out yeah ball control I, I think is going to be hugely important this weekend and and um, you know winning the turnover battle I, I think think as long as Nebraska wins the turnover battle um, you know they're going to be winning this game and uh, you know we've seen that Riker Fife can operate the system he can move the, the ball down the field uh, but as long as everyone else is kind of stepping up to the challenge and, and uh, taking care of business I don't think that you know having Riker Fife behind center is is that huge of a disadvantage for Nebraska against Maryland this weekend and so much was put in guys about how he played against Ohio State well everybody I got news for you everybody on Nebraska's team stunk <laughs> against Tommy Ohio didn't do State. much better either. I mean, did you think that Riker was going to go in that game and, and mount this masterful comeback? No. I mean, the whole team, offense, defense, everything for Nebraska that night in Columbus struggled. Um, this will be a different deal if they start him on Saturday. You know, in the home confines of Memorial Stadium, senior day, uh, I just think, you know, if he gets this opportunity, um, you know, it kind of almost reminds me of when Cody Green had to make his start against Colorado uh, Nebraska won that game in 2009 uh, to give uh, Zach was it Zach Lee at the time um, or Taylor Martinez Lee Lee had had to get a re- they rested him for a game mm-hmm. and uh, Cody Green got the start against Colorado um, you know that that week um, you know I think you can just set up a game plan as long as the defense stops the run and maybe forces some turnovers um, and then obviously you give him a running game to support him with. But don't give him third and nine. Don't yeah, give him yeah. third and eight. No quarterback's good in those situations, let alone a guy that's an, a backup. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, this comes down to the rest of the team stepping up their game to help him out. But for, for Riker, I mean, keep in mind, this is his senior day, too. Uh, he's going to have a lot of friends and family in the stands. And, uh, you know, he, he when he was talking with us earlier this week, uh, you know, he, he mentioned that he never would have expected that his first start in Memorial Stadium could potentially be on senior day. And so this is a real cool opportunity for him. And you know he's going to be locked in if he ends up getting the call. Yeah, Riker's kind of a gamer. I, I think at, at times, if he's had the right opportunity to prepare and everything, and, and what a way to go out if he does, in fact, start the game. Um, what a way to kind of you know put a cherry on top of your your career at Nebraska as uh, start you know your first start being on Senior Day. Well, this offensive line too should be better than it has been. Uh, Gerald Foster took every snap uh, last week at left guard. Nick Gates is is not full health, but I think he's healthier than he's been in a while. Um, and Tanner Farmer had a great game last week. And then Cole Conrad has basically beat out David Neville. Neville has been practicing, but right now Conrad is your outright number one right tackle. The questions remain at center with Dylan Utter. Uh, has an ankle injury, wore a boot all week. Uh, so they have to kind of figure out center. 
Michael Decker, Robin, will have to be ready. But I think the line, you know, coming together was a big thing last week. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, like you said, the big question there is center. Uh, obviously, not only is Utter hurt, um, but he, he struggled quite a bit uh, in that game against Minnesota. I think uh, our, our board made sure to mention that. But uh, he's got to pick it up, and you know, he's the captain on that offensive line. But um, if he's healthy, he's going to play. And uh, like you said, this is about as healthy as this offensive line has been uh, going all the way back to fall camp with that original starting five. Yeah, and they had, uh, I mean, I think adding Gerald Foster into that that group kind of gave them a little extra uh, something. You know, he Gerald b- plays with an edge, I, I think, uh, both he and Nick Gates. And, and really, for the most part, all those guys up front are, are pretty tough guys. But when you throw uh, Foster's edge and, and fire in there, I think it added a little something. So uh, that'll be, I think that, that bodes well for Nebraska this weekend. I'll throw someone else out there, too. I think when you look at the receivers, last Last week, to me, was the first time you had the full kind of group out there to complement one another. Brandon Riley even played and, and made some key downfield blocks. Didn't do anything in the receiving game, but Westerkamp's back injury is behind him. Alonzo Moore's shoulder injury, I think, is somewhat behind him. Uh, DeMornay's been out there. Stanley's been out there. Uh, but then Seathan Carter as well. So I just think when you had that full group of receivers last week, the execution was so much crisper. Tommy Armstrong was 19 of 27. The downfield blocking was bigger, which, you know, those blocks, Robin, can lead to an additional 5 to 10 to maybe more yards on some of those plays. Turns big gains into huge gains. I mean, that's that's kind of the, what de- separates a, a run f- to being a potential touchdown. And so uh, yeah, the receiving blocking has been good all year. Uh, and, you know, Stanley Morgan and Brandon Riley, Jordan Westcamp, they've all been exceptional at that. So uh, having that, like you said, having a full healthy group there, not only, you know, gives, you know, the quarterback plenty of options to work with, but really improves the all-around running game, especially on the perimeter. And having all those guys healthy, I think, around a, a Riker Fife who may be starting is is uh, you know good news for Riker because it just it's that many more guys that can kind of take the pressure off of Riker. You don't want to you don't want to put everything on his shoulders and, and basically tell him, hey, go win us go win us uh, the game on Senior Day. So um, the fact that everyone is as healthy as they have been in the, in a long time outside of Tommy um, is is pretty pretty good news. And last week, I thought the game plan for Tommy was get the ball out of his hands quick and get the ball to those receivers. And he's got such a strong arm that he gets it to him fast. I think you, if it is Riker, you will see uh, kind of a, that type of game plan this week where you don't really want Riker sitting back there and holding the ball for a long time. It's one, two, three, go. You know, you, you want it out of his hands quick uh, because the longer he sits back there, that's when the mistakes could be made. But the other thing is the running game. They need to give this guy... 200 250 on the ground and if you do that the play action will be there for a guy like Riker and you bring the play action into it and in every quarterback's a lot different at that point so lots to chew on it should be interesting to see how this offense stacks up well that wraps it up here uh we'll, we'll move on now to defensive storylines next you're listening here to the Husker Online show this is Husker Online your authority on Nebraska athletics uh, I just want to make sure that, that myself and the seniors and, and everybody on the team is just as prepared as possible. You know, I want to do everything I can to, to send us out and send myself out the, the right way. A lot of emotions. It's kind of a bittersweet feeling for me. I can't believe it's already happened. I can't believe it's already here. And, uh, you know, like you said, I just should go out there and put everything, you know, especially on the defense side. You know, I know a lot of the seniors got It's going to be a real emotional game for us, and the only way we can do it, go out with a bang is, you know, put, a, put it on the field. 
And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as this segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with two locations now in Lincoln, five in Omaha. Make sure you check out Tanner's. And with an 11 a.m. game, kind of a perfect storm uh, after the game. Uh, you, could, you could get into Tanner's, watch all the night games, and uh, obviously a full day of football on NFL Sundays. That's Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with two locations in Lincoln and five in Omaha. But it is senior day, guys, as as we talk defensive storylines here going in to this Maryland game. And you look at the senior class, it is led on defense by guys like Nate Gary, Josh Banderas, Kevin Maurice, uh, Michael Rose Ivy, even to an extent, um, who somewhat had an up and down year. But particularly Gary and Banderas, to me, are kind of the bell cow names of this class. And, and there's been some interesting discussion, Robin, about where Nathan Gary will rank all time at Nebraska. Um, and you've got the numbers. I mean, go through the numbers where Nathan Gary is at right now. Okay, so obviously he's uh, having one of his best seasons now. Um, is a midseason All-American, the semifinals for the Chuck Bednarik Award. Uh, but you go into what he's been able to accomplish over the course of his career. Uh, 13 interceptions, tied for second with Josh Bullock's all-time at Nebraska and one shy of Dana Stevenson's all-time school record of 14. Um, so he's got a really good chance to either tie, potentially even pass that. Um, you look at his tackles. He's got 263 career tackles, which ranks eighth in school history uh, and is second all-time among Nebraska defensive backs behind Mike Brown. Uh, at the pace that he's at right now, he's projected to finish third all-time in, in, school, in the school history in to- total tackles and will pass Mike Brown, uh, who holds the record for tackles by a defensive back. He's 24 away uh, from Mike Brown's uh, defensive back record of 287. Uh, his 19 career tackles for loss are the most ever uh, by a Nebraska defensive back. And if he has four more TFLs this season, he'll break the season record for tackles for loss by a defensive back. So uh, the numbers go on and on and on. And statistically, Nate Geary is right in the conversation as not only one of the best uh, Nebraska defensive backs, but maybe one of the better ever. Yeah, the discussion, I think, when you look at the best safeties in school history, I think the two arguably marquee names, Nate, are Mike Brown and Mike Minner. I mean, two you know, tenured guys, both at Nebraska and the NFL, had great NFL careers. Mike Brown was a fixture on Lovey Smith's outstanding bear defenses. Mike Minner is one of the best Carolina Panthers in franchise history. Um, and then, you know, I think Josh Bullock's kind of is the next tier, and does, where does Nate, in your opinion, fall when you look at those types of names at safety in school history? Well, I think that he's, he falls right there uh, with those guys, especially when you when you look at the numbers. I mean, Robin, you're, you're reading, you're going through those numbers, and I mean that's pretty astounding, um, you know, to to be in that company right now and and with a couple games left, and and really, you know, he missed a game, uh, he missed the home opener this year, so. Uh, who knows? May, he may have already surpassed yeah. a couple of those had he played in that game. Um, you know, and then his freshman year was playing out of position as as a linebacker. Made three starts. Yeah, made three starts. Um, but you know, I think was never fully comfortable at that linebacker position. So um, you know, if you give him that the game he missed this year, and then if he had played his natural position as a freshman, who knows? He he might be at the top of uh, all those all those lists right now. So. Um, 
but yeah, in terms of being, you know, a Mount Rushmore type figure, I think Mike Brown, Mike Minner, those two, um, you can't argue against those guys. Those guys are, are you know, kind of set the gold standard. But um, I, I think you can make a, a certainly make a case that Nate Gary is, is right there, uh, right there with those guys, maybe just a notch below those guys. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Robin Washington, A-Class, as we talk about some of these key seniors on defense for Nebraska. And you just had a feeling when Banderas and Gary came in together that these two guys were going to be special. Um, Gary had a three-star ranking, but it never felt right. You just knew, you know, he broad jumped 10-8 when he came to our combine that we helped run here in South Lincoln and, and just blew me out of the water. I mean, seeing him for the first time, and I just chuckled that Nebraska was kind of drag the old staff, you know, Terry Joseph, a guy from the South. The last thing on his mind was going up to Sioux Falls to <laughs> offer a defensive back. And I gave him a hard time about that. I go, I bet you've uh, made a lot of recruiting trips for DBs to South Dakota. And he's like, <laughs> no, that's my first one and probably my last. But, you know, Nathan was a special talent and his track numbers backed it up. Josh Banderas was a hurdle champion, Army All-American I mean, these, it's great to see that these two guys are, are, are kind of finishing out like we thought that they were going to start out when they got here. Yeah, I mean, these guys have been prominent players on this defense for four years in a row now. And, uh, you know, they, they've obviously both gone through their share of ups and downs, um, you know, both on the field and off. But, uh, you know, they've kind of led the way. And uh, really, you know, when we talk about the senior class as a whole, I think one thing that, you know, needs to be emphasized is uh, the way that they embraced Mike Riley and the staff from year one to year two. Obviously, there was a rough transition there early on which, you know, led to a 5-7 and seven record. But uh, the way that they kind of took ownership as a, going into their senior years and really, you know, got the rest of the team to buy in to what this new staff was trying to do, uh, I think that's as big of a reason as anything for the turnaround this team has made uh, from year one to year two. Well, and especially the turnaround in that secondary. I mean, there was not a more scrutinized position on this team last year than that defensive secondary. And um, and for Nate Gary and uh, to really kind of be the leader back there and to really turn things around this season, um, you you know, I think they're what number five in the in the nation overall in picks. Uh, everyone's got. It seems like everyone has four or five picks that's back there in that secondary. So um, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. But um, yeah, you could see it both out of out of Gary and, and Banderas coming out of high school that that these guys had undeniable um, you know potential and leader and some leadership intangibles yeah. too. Yeah, no doubt about it. Both those guys had leadership intangibles, and you saw it with the recruiting classes. They they were leaders in that recruiting class, trying to help get other guys on board and, and already kind of uh, leading before they were even on campus so um, you know it's those are definitely two special guys and and uh, uh, you know it's it's going to be kind of uh, you know it'd be it'll be weird not seeing them out there it feels like they've been here for for a very long time and, and you know Nathan Gary just got invited to the senior bowl this past week and, and that's a huge piece for his future because this is a guy when he goes to NFL events and has to test out and you know, it's really funny when you go. I've been to one senior bowl and they strip the guys down into literally like tight underwear and walk them out on a stage in front of a room of like 500 scouts. And Nathan Gary, I mean, he's going to when they when they get a look at him, just his physical stature, um, you know, and then when he tests out at the combine, uh, you know, his broad jump, if it was 10, eight, his senior year of high school, 
I don't even want to know what it's going to be at now, what his vertical is going to be, what his 40 is going to be. Um, so Nathan has a real chance, guys, to make a lot of money um, here in the, after his career's up here in the next month. Yeah, I have zero doubt. In fact, I will give the Robin Washett guarantee that Nate Geary is off the board by the second day of the NFL draft. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're in the senior bowl, you're usually a top four yeah. rounder. So I think he safeties don't go in the first round unless you're like Eric Berry. Uh, but I think he's a second to third round type guy right now. If I had a guess today, uh, and, and we like you said, we all know that he's going to test off the charts, and, and that's really I think going to going to help him out too. So not only will he have the measurables and the testing numbers, but he'll also have the career numbers um, in the film to, to kind of back it all up. And he's never been hurt. That's another key. He's never had a shoulder. He's never had a knee. He's never had any kind of injuries. Uh, this you know if he finishes out this season, he will have started thirty nine consecutive games for the Huskers uh, with three starts also as freshman year. So he'll, he will have logged 42 career starts here at Nebraska. That's pretty impressive. Uh, actually, it'll be 41 because he didn't start the first game this year. So uh, 41 starts over his career, 38 in a row. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to take your questions here in the mailbag as Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson will join the show and uh, we'll find out what you want to know. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. There's this guy named Rob Green on Twitter, and uh, he would always tweet at me and stuff, and a bunch of the guys kept on seeing it and kept on calling me White Steak, and he was from South Dakota, and a lot of guys kind of just grew on him, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm into pretty, like, you know, snaking interceptions, whatever you want to do, called shice man, whatever, but, yeah, I just kind of snuck on, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of riding with it, honestly, and I kind of like it, and I guess a lot of the other guys like it, and my mom's kind of just not buying into it, so... And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Wash, and Nate Klaus. And we welcome in Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson with this week's mailbag. That was Nate Gary, Robin, uh, talking about the origin of the White Snake nickname. There are now T-shirts for White Snake. Uh, according to Nate, Jordan Westerkamp's cousin made shirts. And Nate definitely sports that shirt, but uh, it's one of the fun. Uh, I mean, just like what there's. What are all the T-shirts now? There's Lockdown U. Lockdown U. And then uh, doesn't the defensive line have like NWO? NWO. And then uh, obviously Nate has the white snake. Um, I think that's all I could think of right now. Well, Keith Williams. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Savage professionalism. Savage professionalism. Wow. There's a lot of, lot of themes within the team. A lot, a lot of marketing branding going on. But let's get to the mailbag. A lot of questions this week as we bring Matt Reynoldson in. Uh, what do you got for us out of the gates? Well, right out of the gate, if if NU decided to sit players like Tommy Armstrong and Dylan Utter and others who would greatly benefit from a week of rest to get ready for Iowa, what would be the natural outcome expectation against Maryland? I still think a win. Um, the biggest thing for me is is running the ball. If Nebraska can run for over 200, 250, they're going to win this game. Um, and I think that's very possible. Uh, you look at what Maryland's done. They've given up 313 rushing yards per game the last three games. Uh, Indiana went for, I think, 414 on the ground. So to me... It's not about Riker 5 throwing. It's about just getting the ground game going so Riker 5 can have the element of a play action and some other things available. 
Yeah, and Nebraska's two touchdown favorites. That was with Tommy Armstrong still being questionable. So, uh, obviously, there's a lot of people that think this game shouldn't uh, really be that all t- that tight. Um, and you look at Maryland, they got quarterback issues of their own. Um, you know, their starting quarterback, uh, Perry Hills, is dealing with a shoulder injury, and he's questionable for this game. And um, so they've got their own issues. And their best to, running backs. Probably, yeah, yeah, and their best running backs probably going to be suspended for that game. So, um, yeah, Maryland is coming in with a lot of baggage, and uh, they got a lot of issues and far more uh, – uh, in my opinion, than what Nebraska's dealing with. Yeah, they do have a lot of baggage. But I always get worried when you when you start having the conversation about, well, let's sit this guy and save him for the next week because, I mean, and this sounds like a, a coach talking, but, I mean, the most important game this week is this week's game. And, and I think Nebraska, uh, to still have a chance at, at the West, um, you know, you obviously have to win this week, and then you've got another big one on the road against Iowa. And I think a 10-win regular season would do an awful lot uh, for this program. And um, and when you're talking about sitting the starting quarterback and starting center, and um, you know, you kind of put some of that into jeopardy. I don't think that if those guys did sit, it would necessarily mean that this game is unwinnable by any means. But at the same time, I always get nervous when you say, oh, well, let's save these guys or let's rest these guys up, get them healthy. Bottom line is if they can play, they'll play. If they need to rest them, they will because uh, you don't want to jeopardize the outcome of the game. All right, moving on here, Matt Reynolds with our questions here in the Husker Online mailbag. Well, Sean, you mentioned the running game, and a big part, a big dimension of that running offense is Tommy Armstrong. So if Tommy can't play Saturday, what would, what would be the game plan for the offense, and might we see Riker share time with Zach Darlington? You know, the, the Zach Darlington thing is interesting. Uh, it sounds cool, um, but I, I just don't know if they'll pull the trigger on it. I mean, this is a guy that's only taken snaps at quarterback for two weeks over the last year. Um, so I don't know if you want to go that route. I don't know what kind of message that would also send to Riker. Uh, but the key for me is establishing the second running back. Divino Zigbo has had ankle issues or whatever they are that have kept him out since every game since Wisconsin. Uh, could Trey Bryant get more carries? Could uh, Mikel Wilbon? But that's the key. I think Nebraska, if Tommy doesn't go, they need to have that second established running back going that can complement Terrell Newby. Yeah, this really isn't about the running of the quarterback. It's about the offensive line and the running backs getting the job done between the tackles. And Nebraska should be able to have success there. Uh, you know, they got their offensive line as healthy as it's been since the beginning of the season. Um, you know, like you said, Devino Zigbo, um, he seems to finally be healthy if whatever was ailing him. And uh, Terrell Newby's having the best year of his career. So it needs to come down to just a traditional running game. Go and beat Maryland's front seven up. Get five uh, yards on first down. Yeah, keep the drives on schedule. I mean, Rikers, I mean, if he doesn't have to drop back on third and 11 and have to pick apart a defense he's okay he, he can manage the offense and so that's what you need to do what this game is going to be founded on for this offense is just running the ball with the running backs between the tackles and just like you said moving the chains on every single drive yeah i couldn't agree more i, I think you you have to get going downhill and, and get one of those running backs or or a couple of those running backs going um, to kind of take the pressure off of Riker and just keep moving the sticks. I, I think the the quarterback running is a nice dimension, uh, but it's a dimension that shouldn't be needed this week. Moving on in the mailbag, we're going to play the stat game a little bit. Somebody's digging in the uh, in the stat sheet. So what's the most surprising statistic so far this season? That Brandon Riley doesn't have a receiving touchdown. Seathan Carter and Trey Bryant both have the same number of receiving touchdowns with one or that Tommy Armstrong is outrushing Devino Zigbo? I w- Ooh, those are good questions. Yeah. Um, I would probably say Brandon Riley not having a touchdown really surprises me. Um, just based on what we saw in August and the spring, 
you know, you would have thought that he could have had one, you know, big breakout touchdown. His yards per catch is still outstanding. In fact, it's one of the best in school history when you break down the numbers. But uh, those are all really interesting numbers. Um, the rushing one, Armstrong Ozigbo, is also very surprising to me. Yeah, you know, I'll take it to the the Seath and Carter one. Uh, I mean, for a guy that was regarded as Nebraska's you know potentially best NFL prospect, um, to you know only have one receiving touchdown. I mean, that that kind of shows uh, you know the the type of year that he's had. Obviously, the injury was a major setback, but uh, you know I think most people would agree he was expected to be a big factor in this offense, and the, the fact that his production is as down as it is is certainly a surprise. Yeah, I, I think it's Riley for me. Um, not having a receiving touchdown, like Sean said, you you would have thought that he'd have at least one long uh, touchdown reception in there, and and really the reception, touchdown receptions, and receiving yards in general are, are down for that group as a whole. I think uh, everyone came in thinking that you might even see a thousand yard receiver uh, out of this group, but uh, they're they're far far from that. All right, we're taking your questions here in the Husker online mailbag. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, and Robin Washett, Matt Reynolds, and what do you have for us? We got time for one or two more. Got a recruiting question for you, a little crystal ball. What percentage of the twenty eighteen class do you anticipate comes from the five hundred mile radius? I think it's gonna be a pretty fair amount actually when you look at the amount of talent that's in um, especially Missouri next year. They already have 18 or 19 kids in that 2018 class that have offers. Um, you know, one of one of these kids that, that's going to end up being a kind of a national prospect, I think, is Mario Goodrich, who was on campus for the uh, for the game last week, and I think Nebraska is going to be offering him pretty soon. Obviously, the Huskers have been heavy in, in St. Louis. Um, you know, but also Colorado, uh, they're dipping into to Kansas and, and Oklahoma a little bit. They're seeing, we're seeing them be way more active in those areas too. So uh, I feel like, um, you know, if I was going to put a percentage on it, it, it probably it wouldn't be surprised if it was 40 to 50%. I think there's just a lot of good talent in that 500-mile radius next year. we got time for one more question here, Matt Reynolds. All right, this is a hot topic in November every year. How soon is too soon to decorate for Christmas? Woo. Uh, well, we are decorating the day after the game. So Sunday, the tree will be coming out. I know Christmas lights will be going up on our house on Thanksgiving week. I do not. I pay for the record. I pay to have lights put up. I am not going to fall off a ladder <laughs> and break my neck. If I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down a hell of a lot harder than putting up Christmas lights. Yeah, you got to wait till after Thanksgiving. I mean, it's it's the next holiday on the schedule. Like Nate said, you got to take it one game at a time here, and we're taking it one holiday at a time. Thanksgiving <laughs> so you're a Black, first. You're a Black Friday, Black Friday weekend guy. Yeah, my my wife usually takes full advantage of that that Black Friday weekend and starts getting things going. And I uh, try to avoid decorating. As much it's as a possible. road game, so if you play your travel right on Saturday, maybe all the haze in the barn when you get home. Yeah, you know that that's the goal. You know we'll we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed on that one, but uh, you know I'm not holding out total hope. There's uh, no Christmas decorations or anything of the sort in the Klaus house until after Thanksgiving. Good. All right, well, that puts a wrap here on another edition of the Mailbag. We will close things up with some recruiting. Only one official visitor as of now coming into Lincoln. We'll get Nate Klaus's thoughts on all that next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show as we're getting you ready for Saturday's Nebraska versus Maryland game. The Terrapins come into Lincoln for an 11 a.m. game. can be seen on ESPN News. Nebraska about a 15-point favorite for Saturday's game uh, against uh, 5-5 Terps team. Uh, A lot of bull implications for the Huskers as 
Nebraska trying to get to 9-2 and two and potentially at least solidify, in my opinion, the Outback Bowl, which would be a great bowl week for the Huskers, a January 2nd game against an SEC opponent. But let's get to some recruiting, Nate. Um, you know, Last week was a night game, a third night game in a row Nebraska's played. Uh, but, you know, a key November night game for home. What did the Huskers have in town for recruiting? And give us kind of your wrap on the weekend that was for Husker recruiting. Yeah, three official visitors that were in town. Um, you know, and I'll start with Jaquan Henderson, the the linebacker out of Georgia, um, c- currently committed to Tennessee. And, and, you know, there's one linebacker spot in this class. And, and I think a lot of people had kind of – um, felt like it, it was down to maybe one or two different guys, but uh, Jaquan Henderson is a, is a player that Trent Bray has been after even since he had made his commitment to Tennessee, and uh, he has taken a trip to Michigan State, and I think that trip kind of opened up the door for him a little bit. Um, you know, so then he came to came to Nebraska with his parents, and uh, the reviews were extremely positive. He's, uh, I think, Nebraska is definitely um, in contention here. We'll see. We'll see how things play out. Um, you know, when I last talked with him, he said he might take a, an official visit to North Carolina, but he, he still hasn't set up a, a trip to Tennessee, which is, um, I think, somewhat odd to me. Being a commit there, but yeah. not visiting there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's been there unofficially, but yeah, you know, the fact that he's a commit there, but hasn't set up an official visit um, is, is definitely uh, something to take notice of for sure. Uh, and then you had a couple of defensive backs in town. Uh, Karan Hafiz is a, uh, you know, up and coming name, I guess you could say. He he had been uh, committed early on to Iowa State, uh, but you know backed off that pledge. Has I mean he's up to uh, you know close to twenty offers now, and uh, Nebraska you know came in and offered him early on in the season. And he's out of the same high school as Chris Jones, and actually looks to Chris Jones as somewhat of a mentor. Those guys are very close, and, and uh, you know have always kind of had some sort of connection there, and. and for him to be able to come up to, to Lincoln with his family and to hang out with Chris Jones, actually watch Chris Jones play and, and see that secondary in person, I think really made a lasting impression on him. And, and he's an early enrollee, so he's going to be making his decision here pretty soon. And I feel like Nebraska has the inside track on him. Um, you know, he's got great size. He's six foot, uh, 180 pound uh, corner, but he looks like he's probably six one or, or taller just because he's so long and you know, kind of fits the mold of, of corner that Brian Stewart likes to, to recruit. So he's going to be taking an official visit uh, actually to Illinois this this weekend, I believe, but uh, and officially announcing his decision on December 19th uh, before, you know, before the, the mid-year enrollees kind of, um, you know, start to start to come in. So uh, we'll see what happens there. And then Cameron Curl uh, is probably maybe the most interesting kid uh, that visited Nebraska last weekend because he had been a long-time commit to Texas Tech. He backed off that pledge a couple weeks ago, uh, and then Nebraska Nebraska then offered him on Monday, uh, and by Wednesday he had already set up an official visit to come in with his family. It was the first trip that he's taken. And, uh, and I think a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads. You know, there's been a, a lot of big-time defensive backs that Nebraska's been in on. But, uh, you know, so people were wondering, boy, is, are things kind of slipping there? Is this a plan B or plan C guy? You know, what's the deal? Uh, because, you know, out of Muskegee um, – uh, 
Oklahoma. He, he didn't have Oklahoma or Oklahoma State offers until today. Uh, Oklahoma just came through with an offer. So that I think that kind of speaks uh, or maybe verifies that Nebraska uh, was a little bit ahead of the curve as far as you know what they had seen on his senior film that prompted them to offer. Uh, he's 6'2", 180-pound kid, and uh, you know could play corner or safety, I believe, or even nickel. And Brian Stewart talked with him about playing, uh, you know, being a versatile guy back there that could play any any number of those positions. Uh, they just kind of want to get that kid on campus. But uh, again, he's going to be taking all of his trips. Uh, he and his family loved it in Nebraska, but uh, he's going to be taking a lot of those trips. And now that Oklahoma is offered, uh, it'll be interested to see exactly what that does to impact his recruitment. You're listening here to the Oscar Line Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Class as we wrap things up talking recruiting. Now, it's an 11 a.m. game this weekend. Still, a lot of kids are done with their football seasons, uh, but a light weekend of official visitors, Nate. Give us the rundown of a, the key official, maybe a couple unofficial names to watch. Yeah, right now, um, you know, only as of today, only one official visitor for sure. I do think that there's a chance that they, you know, add two or three more guys. Uh, we'll see exactly what happens. But the 11 o'clock uh, kickoff hurts a little bit. Um, you know, you kind of have to – you're forced to get guys that whose seasons have come to an end. And uh, unfortunately, or fortunately for a lot of the recruits that Nebraska is after, uh, those guys are still playing in the playoffs. So there's a number of guys that had wanted to come in but uh, – you know, decided or, you know, couldn't because of uh, because of their playoff schedule. And then you had Elijah Blades out of, uh, you know, as a four-star corner out of California that was going to come up. But his father was coaching in a game this weekend, I think, for a youth football team that his little brother is on. So his father wasn't going to be able to make the trip. So Nebraska decided to push that visit back. That way both of his parents could come up on the trip with him, uh, which I think is a smart move. You, you always want to get the parents on campus when you can. So, uh, so far, Jeremiah Holloman is the only one uh, that we've confirm that's coming in and it's this interesting because he's teammates with Jaquan Henderson and was supposed to visit Nebraska last weekend for the Minnesota game but uh, in his last high school game he had injured his wrist or his arm and the the doctor kind of said you know if you fly the air pressure is really gonna be uh, extremely painful on your injury so uh, that's why they he, he couldn't make it last weekend but he's he's coming now and I think the fact that Jaquan Henderson had a good time in Nebraska obviously kind of helps helps things out heading into this visit because he's got a little idea of what to expect um, you know and then obviously had some positive feedback from Jaquan there so and Holloman is being recruited as a wide receiver but he's one of the top overall athletes in the country I think he's got the number eight you know Nike spark spark score in the in the entire country um, you know he's six three hundred and ninety pound kid that that can uh, you know there's one of the faster wideouts in the country uh, but is also has that size and physical physicality that I think Nebraska would like as a kind of a big bodied wide receiver so he can do a little bit of everything and um, you know with three spots left in that wide wide receiver core in this recruiting class uh, I know Nebraska would love uh, would love to be able to add him to that another in, uh, unofficial visitor will be Zach Schlager a 2018 uh, prospect from McCook his brother starts for Colorado State he torched Elkhorn South's defense last week for over 200 yards rushing so he's another kind of athlete slash linebacker name to watch but Briefly, Nate, as we wrap it up here, we'll have some high school state championship games this week. Um, a lot of intrigue. Uh, Class A, Omaha North, Bellevue West, two undefeated teams. You're going to have Jalen Bradley, Tyler Charest, um, a lot of talent on that Bellevue West side. 
going against Omaha North, which is probably the deepest and most talented roster in the state. Yeah, no question about it. And I think this is kind of the matchup that a lot of people had expected for the last two or three years, right? Because uh, uh, Bellevue West has been a, a you know very dangerous offensive team, um, but uh, and, and they had been kind of an air raid attack. But now Jalen Bradley, um, you know, has been the guy carrying the rock for them and has been has been their their go to guy. I think he's rushed for over twenty six hundred yards already this season. So um, he's a and forty five touchdowns. So he's kind of that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean it's insane. Uh, and, and he's also a kid that can catch the football out of the backfield. So he, he's a very dangerous weapon. Um, and then on the flip side, I think you know a couple guys to keep an eye on in that Omaha North squad. Uh, as deep as they are, they they have a couple underclassmen that I think uh, could end up being pretty special. Xander Gray is a six foot, six foot one, two hundred and twenty five pound running back uh, that uh, has got a legitimate shot at, at being uh, being a big time recruit. Uh, and then Mackay Becton, uh, uh, you know, is is a a defensive lineman there, another young guy that, that is coming up, that's coming up the ranks. So a uh, lot of talent that's going to be in that Class A game. You also have Moses Bryant for Elkhorn South in the Class B championship game for the second year in a row. He's a top 2018 name. And then uh, our good friend Noah Vedrill, the, the Central Florida recruit for Scott Frost. Uh, I'll be excited to see how he does on the big stage going against uh, a dangerous O'Neill team. But uh, that puts a wrap here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.